testimony that God is in control. Woo! This is what allowed Joseph, when he stood before his brothers who had sold him into slavery, he'd been lied on. He'd been cheated and mistreated. Uh, oh, but when he stood before his brothers, uh, he only had one thing to say to them. Uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You thought you were in control, uh, but God was in control. Uh, that's why I can dance uh, in the middle of my dilemma. That's why I can shout uh, in the middle of a storm. That's why I can worship in the middle of hell. Because my God is in control. I wish I had a witness in the building. Yeah! If you know he's in control, take about 30 seconds and give him praise. the weather even things that seem uncontrollable God said I'm still in control he rebuked the wind and the way said peace be still just one word from the Lord they said what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves do obey him are you glad to serve that kind of God this morning I said, are you glad to serve that kind of God this morning? Hallelujah. 
That's why one writer wrote, for every mountain you brought me over, for every trial you seen me through, for every bless, hallelujah, for this I give you praise. Somebody ought to lift your hands and praise him for every mountain. Come on, praise him for every valley he brought you through, every mountain he brought you over, every situation that he. Come on, somebody give him a praise in this house today. Hallelujah! Glory, glory, glory. Tap your hands one more time if you're thankful today. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? Are you grateful for the presence of the Lord that's in this house today? Amen. You can be seated for a brief moment this morning. I want to take a quick opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is to have every one of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us today. Rock Church, would you let me borrow your hands and voice? I need you to make as much noise as you can. Uh, we can do better than that. Come on, help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord today. What a privilege to have you here. If you are here for the very first time, you should have received a VIP invitation card. This is an invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. And we have some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to give you just as a token of appreciation on our behalf uh, for you being here to worship with us today. Amen. And we have a little understanding around here that you are only a guest for the first five minutes that you come through the door. So I just want to tell you, if you're here for the first time and you've been here longer than five minutes, I want to be the first one to tell you, welcome home this morning. On behalf of the Rock Church, welcome home. Would you turn around and tell as many people as you can, welcome home this morning. Come on, there in front of you, behind you, tell them, welcome home. Welcome home. Amen. So, so, so excited uh, to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I can't see. Is that, is that Jay and Esteban up there? Amen. They're here. I, I didn't get a chance to do this uh, the other day, so I want to do it this morning. Uh, we are so delighted to have in the house of the Lord. I think this may be a second time here. I just missed this the first time. We are so excited to have little Jacob in the house of the Lord. This is their brand new baby that was born a few weeks ago. We are so excited. Would you help me give them a great big hand of congratulations to Brother Stevan, Sister Jay, their beautiful family, and this wonderful addition to their family. What, what a beautiful, beautiful child. They sent me a picture right after he was born. And uh, we are just so, we're so excited for what God is going to do in his life. Thank God for a mom and daddy that are already bringing him to the house of the Lord and teaching him to love God's house and his kingdom. Amen, somebody. And they are not here, but just yesterday morning, little Felix Sloss was born. 
If they're watching online, I, I, I think we ought to make some noise and let them hear us. Give them a great big congratulations this morning. Congratulations, Brother Trevor, Sister Morgan, on the birth of your beautiful little angel. And uh, we can't wait to meet him. Uh, I, I haven't had the chance yet. I was, I've been on airplanes all weekend long and flying across the country. And uh, man, you got to do what you got to do to get home. When you go to a church this incredible, I'll fly from Timbuktu, Africa over the weekend to get here. Woo! I'm sorry, not just any place will do. I got to be right here at the Rock Church on Sunday. Amen. And uh, we're, we're so grateful for everything that the Lord is doing. Stand with me if you would. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord today. You'll find my assignment in the book of Exodus chapter number eight. The book of Exodus chapter number eight is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me today. Amen. <clears throat> Exodus chapter eight and verse 25 says, and Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go. Put your finger on that phrase in your Bible and just, just hold that right there for a moment. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. Put in a prayer for me. Is what Pharaoh said. That lying dirty dog. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee. And I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. He did what he said he was going to do. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. And there remained not one. Moses did what he said he would do. God did what he said he would do. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. And neither would he let the people go? Earlier he said, I will let you go. But the Bible says, neither would he let the people go. 
And for a few moments this morning, I simply want to preach from this thought. Don't make a deal with the devil. Turn around and tell your neighbor, don't make a deal with the devil. Oh, no, no, no. You got to turn around and find somebody that's paying attention to the preacher today and tell them, don't make a deal with the devil. Would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands one more time under the Lord in this house? Give them a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of your lips. Come on, somebody open your mouth. Woo! Amen. You may be seated this morning. There was a day and a time in our society where men's word was their bond. There was a day in our society where the most precious thing to a man was his word. If I say it, I'm going to do it. You have my word. You ever heard that phrase before? You have my word. It, it, it meant something. When somebody gave you their word, there was a time in society uh, where that's all you needed uh, was their word. And they would consummate the transaction with nothing more than a handshake. My word and a handshake. Business would be transacted off of a word and a handshake. People would buy a house, sell a business, uh, trade things. Uh, they would deliver stuff. They would take people's valuables and move them here. All off of a word and a handshake. But how many of you know we ain't living in those kind of days now? I wish I had a witness in the building. You can't just take somebody's word nowadays, unfortunately. I, I, I wish I could say that even in the church it was like that. Oh Lord, it's going to get quiet early this morning. But can I tell you the church is a hospital? And not everybody in the hospital is responding to treatment the same way. Oh, come on, somebody. I know you got rehabilitated and regenerated and, and you got a different mind, but there's some people in the hospital that are still in ICU and, and, and they still got, come on, they contagious and still ain't big. Come on, come on, somebody. But if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, my word means everything. I can't get a witness. See, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to stop and preach right here. Do you know that God values his word above his name? That's what the Bible says. He said, I have magnified my word above my name. That's the nature of God. As a matter of fact, in one place he said, have I not said it? And shall I not perform it? You ain't got to question what I say. If I said it, then it shall come to pass. Oh, 
I wish I had a witness in the building. Uh, in one place he said, my word uh, will not return unto me void, uh, but it will accomplish the thing uh, that I have sent it uh, to do. If you got the Holy Ghost, uh, you ought to be a man or a woman uh, of your word. Uh, oh, I wish I had some shouters in the building right now. Uh, if I tell you something and I give you my word, uh, it ought to mean more than almost anything else uh, that I do what I said I was going to do. Uh, oh, see, it's getting quiet up in this Holy Ghost church. Uh, when you've got the nature of God in you, uh, it causes you to be an honest person. Uh, it causes you to quit being deceitful and deceptive. And uh, That ain't the day we live in today. Nowadays, you got to sign contracts for everything. Everything. That's different than everything. Everything is bigger than everything. <laughs> I, I, I had to rent a car this weekend to get to them from the airport and the hotel, and, and, and I couldn't just walk in and shake their hand and say, I'm, I'm good for it. You can trust me. Let me take that $30,000 car. I'll bring it back in three days. Promise. Uh, no. Here's a contract. <laughs> I, I'm gonna fill it up with gas. I'll bring it back with a gas full. Don't worry. Uh, no. Sign right here that you're gonna bring it back full. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm glad because that goes two ways. I don't trust them either. Why'd you charge me for five days? I only had the car for two. Been there, done that. Here's my contract. You got to sign contracts for everything. I was at, I was at the store the other day and I wanted a, a candy bar. I'm telling on myself, but I didn't, you know, it was like a dollar 25 and I, I didn't have, man, what happened to the days of buying candy bars for 60 cents? Some of y'all go back further than that. <laughs> like a dollar 25 for a Snickers candy bar, two bites of chocolate. There's some situations I'll pay $10. I don't care. I'll just give me that candy bar. It's like $1.25. I didn't have any cash, Brother JJ, so all I could do is use my debit card. So I swipe my debit card. Three inches of contract come out of the machine. Zoop, sign your name. We ain't even trusting you with $1.25, baby. Put your name on the piece of paper that you're going to pay the... And... And we get so acclimated to signing stuff all the time. Every time you turn around, sign here, sign here, sign for this, fill this piece of paper out. Anybody beside me get sick and tired of signing your name to paperwork all the time? We become so acclimated that we get in the habit of just signing stuff that we don't even read. I see, I ain't going to get no amens now. We just start signing stuff. We did, didn't even read what it said. Go to the, go to the hotel check-in. I need you to sign here, here, here. Okay. Don't even know what it said. Sign this. Okay. You bought that car. Give you a stack of paperwork. Take you three weeks to read it, but you signed it in five minutes. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it later. We just sign stuff away. But there is something called the fine print. And the fine print is called the fine print for a reason. 
Because usually the one making the contract wants to ensure they're protected and safe. And so there is usually some, some loopholes that are created and some, uh, some details that, that are there that if you were really aware of them, it might cause you to think twice before signing the contract. If you knew what the fine print said, it might cause you to think twice. You might say, ah, I don't know if it's worth that risk right there. I don't know if it's worth doing that. But it's called the fine print because they want to put an emphasis on the promise and marginalize consequence. They want the focus uh, to be on the offering uh, and they want the focus to be off uh, of the risk. Uh, and so it is small. It's, uh, it's designed for you to, to not be visually attracted to it. It's, it's designed for you to have to say, where's my glasses? I, I, I don't even have my glasses to read that. It, it's designed to be not emphasized. It's, it's kind of like the, the ad you hear on the radio. You ever hear the ad on the radio? It says, Right now, you and your family can enjoy a cruise for four to the Bahamas for the low price of $50. Call now, 1-800-CRUISE-FOR-REAL. If you call in the next five minutes, we'll throw in a free top beach towel and sunscreen. And you're getting excited, $50? We going to the Bahamas. Call now. For other new partners, any details? What did they just say? That was the fine print that said this is actually the application fee is $55. And once you provide your credit card, we will begin to deduct monthly payments for $55 a month over the next three years for you to go on the see it's it's designed for you to miss it for you to to, to overlook it and and to just just not see it uh, can I preach to us uh, this morning that John chapter 8 and verse 44 says uh, that Satan uh, is the father uh, of lies see a handful of years back there was a company that released an app called snapchat and, and Snapchat was, became very popular very quick, especially in this world because it was marketed uh, and its, its key feature was that you could use it under an anonymity. And now other platforms have adopted their strategy, but you, you could send stuff uh, on the DL. You, you could send things and, and, and once the intended recipient saw it, uh, it would vanish. It would disappear and nobody could go back and see what you sent or what you wrote or what you did. And, and that fits perfect in the world we live in today. I mean, they just ate that up. And so everybody's getting Snapchat and everybody say, you can only imagine the kind of stuff that people are using Snapchat for. And, and uh, not in the church, I mean in the world what they're using Snapchat for. And, and, and so they, they were going crazy and all of a the sudden there was breaking news. Just, just a little while after they launched, breaking news, there was a hacker who hacked into Snapchat's databases 
and compromise the security. How many of you smart enough to realize just because you hit delete doesn't mean it's gone? Some of y'all acting surprised right now. Just because you hit clear the trash can, it's still there. Uh-oh. It still exists. It can still be found. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean they don't have it. And so the, the hacker gets into Snapchat's database and unlocks all of this stuff that was supposed to have disappeared but was in this uh, vaulted part of the, the, the computer system and they begin to publish these things uh, on the internet. Pictures and text and all kind of stuff. Uh, and you can only imagine the chaos that created. Marriages came to an end. Friendships were over with. It created havoc. And so the world got in a frenzy. Oh my God. Why did Snapchat ruin my life? Snapchat ruined my marriage. Snapchat killed my friend. And so they got a class action lawsuit. And they got together to, to sue Snapchat for billions of dollars and put them out. And when they got done with the court case, the judge gave the verdict win to Snapchat. Why? Because every one of those users, when they downloaded the app, there was a little pop-up of fine print that nobody took enough time to read through that released them from all liability. And they just, oh yeah, give it to me. I want it, I want it. And they released them from all Satan is a liar. And I came to preach this morning that you can never ever ever make a deal with the devil because there's always fine print there's always hidden consequences there's always a price to pay that's trying to be hid from you I came to preach to somebody this morning that the devil is a liar the Bible says that he cannot tell the truth because there is no truth in him am I in a Bible church this morning matter of in fact, the book of Revelation uh, calls him the great uh, deceiver uh, that deceiveth uh, the whole uh, world. He'll paint pictures of sin for you uh, and make it look attractive uh, and make it look appealing. Uh, he's the greatest salesman on the planet. Uh, he'll give you every reason to justify. Uh, it's okay. Uh, he's been doing it a long time. Uh, you can find him in the first book of the Bible uh, telling Adam and Eve, is that what God said? Uh, you won't die. <laughs> no, look at the fruit. You're not going to die. He had them to get away from the fine print that was written. He'll try to convince you that you can dabble in the world without concert. You're not going to go to hell for that. You're not going to be lost over that. You're not going to lose your walk with God over that. You're not going to mess up your future over that. But I wish I had a witness 
in the building this morning that would testify it's more expensive than you think it is. It's going to cost you more than you think it will. The consequences are greater. I just need 20 honest people in the building that would testify I believe the lie of the devil before and I'm here to tell you it's not worth it. I said it's not worth what you think it's worth. The Bible said that the pleasure of sin is only for a season. When you get done with the enjoyment, there's a price to pay that's bigger than what you thought it would be. I came to preach this morning to somebody uh, whatever you do don't make a deal uh, with the devil uh, and before I go any further uh, he's never going to come to you uh, with blood on a pen uh, and a pitchfork uh, and horns on it that's not how the devil comes to you uh, he's going to work through humanity uh, and people uh, and relationships uh, that'll try to get you to compromise uh, that'll try to get you to do the wrong thing uh, that'll try to influence you uh, against the principles in the word of God uh, but you gotta make up in your mind uh, I will not uh, make a deal uh, with the devil Woo. Moses comes to Pharaoh and he declares thus saith the Lord let my people go. We're through being slaves. We're done living in Egypt. Let my people go. Can I preach this for a moment? God could have spoke to Pharaoh for them. God could have moved on Pharaoh's heart for them. But what God was trying to communicate is I'll know that you're ready for deliverance when you're ready to stand up and speak for yourself and let the world know I'm done living in the world. You know how you know somebody's ready to be delivered? When they're not worried about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else says, but they're willing to stand up and walk into Pharaoh's room and say, Pharaoh, I came to tell you, let my people, I'm preaching to somebody in the building that wants to break free from sin. I'm preaching to somebody in the building that's tired of being bound. You got to get enough grit in you this morning to stand on your feet and let the devil know, let me go. I'm done with bondage. I'm done with your lies. I'm done with your chains. I'm done with your deception. Let my people, I wish somebody would throw your hands in the air and shout in this place, let me go. Let me out of this drug addiction. Let me out of this sexual promiscuity. Let me out of this depression. Let me out of the lies. Get me out of the pig pen. Get me out of the destruction. Get me out. Let my people Just see, Moses, he was, he was nervous about going to Pharaoh. 
just see him the night before stand in front of the mirror. Okay, got to practice. Pharaoh, I mean, that won't work. Mr. Pharaoh, sir? No, that's too simple. Pharaoh, you listen to me, buddy. No, that's too nice. Okay, I got it. Hey, yo! Stupid! I got something to tell you. Whatever it was, when he finally walked into Pharaoh's courtroom, uh, there was an anointing from heaven uh, that came upon him. uh, Because when you finally make a stand, uh, when you finally take a step uh, and stand up, uh, all of heaven uh, will come to you. Uh, All of heaven uh, will stand behind you. Uh, He walked into the room uh, and with the anointing of God on his life, uh, he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. Somebody in this building ought to make up in your mind. Before I leave this building, I'm leaving the world. Before I get out of this house, I'm saying goodbye to Egypt. Before I ever get out of here today, I'm going to tell Pharaoh, let me go. see leaders before you can lead people into peace you have to lead them into rebellion a holy rebellion against sin see I can't I can't get a witness you first sister Tabitha have to lead people into rebellion against Pharaoh and against his constructs in their life and against the chains and the bondage
inheritance that's under attack today. You can worship God and still live in the world. Still do what the world does. Still just mix into the culture of the world. But John chapter 4 and verse 23, Jesus said the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers if there's true worshipers that means there's fake ones I ain't gonna get no shouters in the building right there if there's true worshipers that means not everybody worshiping is a real worshiper some people are worshiping just to present a front some people are worshiping just to check a box some people are worshiping just cause mom and dad said so some people are worshiping cause they don't want to lose their status but the true worshipers shall worship the Lord in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him John 4 24 God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth it's not just the jumping and the speaking in tongues and running the aisles and shouting amen but when your feet hit the ground how are you living your life when you walk out of the sanctuary what kind of lifestyle are you living God's tired of fake worshipers he's tired of phony Christians he's tired of fake ecclesiastes Ecclesiastical pimps in pulpits. God is looking for true worshipers. If I'm gonna be a true worshiper, I gotta get out of here. He said, I'm not gonna do this with the abomination of Egypt. You want me to build an altar in the middle of all this abomination? He said, you must be smoking something. I'm going to leave this place so that I can worship my God. You see, that's a key to deliverance. Whatever you do, don't ever stand in the way of a worshiper. God will part the heavens to deliver a worshiper. God will send flies and blood and smoke and darkness and frogs to deliver a worshiper. Somebody in the building ought to tell your neighbor, get out of my way, I'm a worshiper. Don't stand in my way, I'm a worshiper. Don't try to hinder me, I'm a worshiper. Don't try to talk me out of it, I'm a worshiper. Come on, let's make a deal. I'll let you worship, but when you get up on Monday, talk the way you used to talk. You ain't got to quit cussing. Come on, I'll make a deal with you. You can shout on Sunday and pray, but when you get home on Monday, keep looking at all that stuff on your phone and your computer. I mean, you ain't got to give it all up to be a... Moses looked at him and said, we will 
go a three days journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. He said, I'm going to create some distance between me and Egypt. I'm not satisfied with being right here. I'm going to go a three days journey from this. Oh, I feel like preaching up in this place. You see, a three days journey is long enough so that when you look over your shoulder, you can't even see it anymore. A three days journey is long enough that you can't even hear what they're saying anymore. A three days journey is far enough that even the landscape starts to look different. I'm going to leave until it's so far behind me. I'm not even reminded of it anymore. Uh-huh. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says this. Wherefore, come out from among them. God is not interested in trying to save you in your sin. He wants to save you from your sin. He didn't say stay there. He said come out. Come out from among them. And be ye separate. Can I preach to somebody? One of the keys to your deliverance is learning how to separate yourself from the things that used to define you. Is learning how to separate yourself from the things that used to influencing you. Learning how to separate yourself from people that used to speak. Come on, I wish I had a witness. Be ye separate. Come out and be ye separate and touch not the unclean. Quit putting your hands on stuff you used to handle. Your hands represent your deeds. This is real repentance. To turn around and say, I'm walking out of this. I'm leaving this world behind. I'm going to be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. This is reminiscent of what we find in Genesis 1. Where Eve testifies and said, the Lord told us not to touch it. That's not what God said. God said, don't eat it. But when he gave that command, Eve wasn't there. He was speaking to Adam. And somehow Adam had to convey what God said to Eve. And he did not tell Eve, God said, don't eat it. He said, you know what? I know our tendencies. If I touch something, it won't be long before I want to wholesale partake of it. See, the enemy wants to convince you that you can just touch it and look at it 
and, and you can do, you can do that without getting involved in it. You, you can touch it without partaking in it. You can touch it, but Adam had enough wisdom to say, don't touch it. Because if you don't touch it, then you'll never eat it. If you don't touch it, then you'll never have an opportunity. So she testified and said, God told us, don't touch it. Come out and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Get your hands off of that stuff you used to do. Get your mind out of the things you used to think about. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Oh, yes. And I will, somebody say, and, and I will receive you. But the enemy will tell you, God will receive you just how you are. Anybody else ever heard that before? God will receive you just as you are. That's not what the word says. You willing to stake eternity on what your buddy said? Or would you rather trust in what the word of the Lord said? Now let me tell you this. God loves you just how you are. He loves you. Matter of fact, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave himself for it. God loves you how you are, but he can't save you like you are. Did you know that every person that winds up in hell will be there for eternity while God loves them? It wasn't that God hated them. It was that they never reciprocated the feelings back to God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'm in the book. Don't tell me how much you love God and you disobey his commandments. You don't love God. You love yourself. You love your will. You love your own ambitions. You only love, if you love God, it'll show up in your obedience to his. And so God will not receive you how you are. He'll love you how you are. That old Baptist song they used to sing. Just as I am. Every altar call they sing that song. Problem is they leave just as they came. There's got to be a just as I am. But then you need to leave saying just as I was. I ain't the same person I was when I came to him. Come on, that's what testifies how good your God is. If you serve a good God, he's not going to leave you the same way you came. If you serve a great God, I came addicted, but I left delivered. I came depressed, but I left victorious. I, oh, I wish I had a witness in the building this morning. Wherefore, come out, is this all right? I'll make some Bible study with the sermon. Wherefore, come out from among them. Hmm, it says wherefore. Why is it therefore? Well, in order to understand why he said that, you have to back up to verse 14. Here's why he said to come out. Because in verse 14 he says, Be ye not unequally 
yoked together with unbelievers. Let me, let me deal with the, with the etymological context here first. Being yoked together, first of all, it's an agricultural term that deals with an ox or an ass being hooked up to a plow in a field. They used the yoke when they wanted to use more than one animal to work together. They would put two ox together. But in order to synchronize their steps, so one wasn't here and one was there, and one, they would put a yoke upon them. And the yoke forced them to find synchronicity, to walk together at the same pace, in the same direction. If I'm in a yoke, I can't go a different direction than you go. If I'm in a yoke, I'm subjugated to your direction, your speed, what you want to do, where you're headed, your destiny becomes my destiny when we're in the same yoke. Be not yoked together. Believers with unbelievers. Now we often relegate this text to marriage and rightfully so. We, we, we limit it to a context. Don't marry an unbeliever. And that's good doctrine. That's a good application of the scripture. And let me stop there to preach for a moment. This is why we preach against that damnable doctrine of flirt to convert. You don't yoke yourself up with an donkey hoping they turn into an ox. Oh, I can't get no hell. It got quiet up in this church right here. I need all the single ladies, all the single, to go ahead and shout up in this place right now. I need all the single men to go ahead and say amen in the building. I'll, I'll give you one more chance. I need all the single men to say amen in the building. Amen, Brother Eddie. Amen. We don't flirt to convert. We don't look for sharks in a bass pond. I don't look for eagles where the buzzards hang out. Come on, somebody. When you flirt to convert, you know what you do? You become a dynamic variable of complication to God trying to win them. You become a stumbling block and a distraction in God's process. Uh, you know what? God needs to win their heart before you try to win their heart. You're interrupting God's process. I wish I could get a good amen in the building. You're interrupting God's process. And while God's doing a work, your selfish self doesn't know how to be patient and wait and trust on God. And so you interrupt the process. Oh, I can't wait. I know. Ooh, he gonna be my husband. Oh, I had a dream from God. Why don't you get in the floor and just pray for the man? Pray for the woman. Stay out of God's way and see what God will do. If they're meant to be your husband, if they're meant to be your wife, what God has for you is for you. Oh, Lord. Be not unequally yoked. Let me preach about something else before somebody will have a coronary. That's more than just your spouse. That has to deal with friendships. I, I can't yoke myself together with people who don't have the same mindset I have. Come on, can I preach? Because if I yoke myself 
my destiny becomes their destiny. I become subjugated to their desire. Where they want to graze, I have to graze. Where their feet want to carry them, I'll eventually go where they're, come on somebody. You better learn to recognize and get that yoke off of your neck and start yoking yourself with people that are headed the same direction you are, that have the same vision for their life, that Make friends with five liars. You'll become the sixth. Make friends with three adulterers. You'll become the fourth. I can't get no help up in here. Make friends with six drug addicts. You'll become the seventh. Be buddy buddies with four backsliders. You'll become the fifth one to backslide. Come on, somebody. You better let your yoke be anointed by God. Come on, you better chew. I, I, can't, just, I can't just work for everybody. There were, first lady, there were careers and jobs that I had to turn down and some of them walk away because they were yokes in my life. They were places that I showed up and I couldn't just go there to get a check. It was a yoke of the enemy trying to put itself on my neck and I could feel myself being pulled. You know what I had to say? I don't care what the paycheck looks like. I don't care what the benefits are. Sorry, I'm taking that yoke off of my neck. You're not headed the same place I am. This culture, this environment is not conducive for what God is trying to make me. Come on, somebody. You cannot be yoked unequally and be what God wants you to be. Somebody say, well, Jesus sat with the sinners and publicans. Yep, but they weren't the 12. There's a difference between being friendly and being friends. Come on, I wish I had a witness in the building. Be not unequally Man, we in Bible study, and I'm supposed to be preaching this morning. Be not unequally yoked. For what fellowship hath righteousness? This is why God said to come out from among them. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and communion with darkness? Light with darkness. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Listen, for ye are the temple of the living God. Here's the revelation. Ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. Why am I being separate? Because I'm the temple of the living God. I'm the habitation of God's presence. I'm not my own anymore. When I got the Holy Ghost, I was bought with the price. And God said, I don't want my temple connected to Dagon. I don't want my temple connected to the... We're leaving Egypt. 
Ah, just do it here, Moses. So then in Exodus 8, 28, I'm hurrying. I'll have you out of here before Waffle House closes today. Some of y'all didn't get that. Exodus 8, 28, Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Okay. All right. If you won't do it here, then I'll let you leave to sacrifice in the wilderness. One stipulation. Ye shall not go very far away. <laughs> so that's the negotiating of the enemy. Okay. I get it. You want to be radical and leave? Then leave. Just don't get too far out there. Anytime somebody tells you it doesn't take all of that in your walk with God. I'll wait. Anytime somebody says you ain't got to take it that far, that's Pharaoh trying to negotiate with you. Anytime they tell you uh, it doesn't take all that, you, you go to church twice on Sunday? Two, two times? One time ain't enough. It don't take all that. That's the voice of Pharaoh uh, trying to compromise with you. Uh, you can go. Uh, just don't go too far. Oh, and you come back on, on Tuesday? Come on, I need everybody listening to the preacher up here. Discipline yourselves. This ain't the time to conversate. This ain't the time to fellowship. Listen to the word of the Lord this morning. Then you come to church on What? And you service on Friday? Not Friday. Friday! What prayer? And then prayer on Thursday? Oh, no. It don't take... Jesus understands you're busy. Be, no, no, no. You ain't got a revelation, baby. Uh, I'm not leaving the camp next door. Uh, I'm going all uh, the way. Come on. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing, Sister Thailand? When you was out there raving and clubbing, doing wild and out, nobody came to you and said, you're doing too much, girl. They didn't care. Nobody said you're doing too much. Wrecking your life. Oh, you're doing too much. Nobody said that. But the moment you show up and say, yeah, I don't wear pants no more. Oh, that's radical. That's too much. All of a sudden, out of people who didn't care that you were getting drunk every other day, getting high, they'll come out of the woodwork all of a sudden. Why? Because Pharaoh doesn't care. As long as you're living in Egypt, he ain't got nothing to say. He ain't got nothing to complain about. But the moment you stand up and say, I'm leaving, he's going to come up with everything he can to try to convince you you're crazy. You're a radical. You're just, you better believe I am. You better believe. I'm radical. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. You lost your mind. Yes, I did. Because the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. You better believe I lost my mind. I 
lost my carnal mind uh, and I let this mind that was in Christ uh, be on me. I wish I had a witness uh, up in the building. Uh, you need to let hell know uh, I'm going all the way. The devil wants to make a deal with you uh, and tell you you can leave but don't go too far. You can come to church but don't get too radical about it. I'm going a three days journey. Three days journey is long enough to say I've already gone this far. I ain't going back. See, the point was not just God bringing them out. The point was God taking them into a promised land. You can't inherit the promise while you're still stuck next to Egypt. The promised land's in the other direction. The promised land's gonna take you taking a journey. It's gonna require you getting, come on, I wish I had a witness in the building. You gotta make up in your mind, I'm going all the way. Going all the way. Three days journey. It starts with a three days journey. You gotta repent. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's just the beginning of your journey. There's a whole promised land that God's going to take. Come on, somebody. I can always tell one-day Christians versus three-day Christians. Because one-day journey, they show up to church on Sunday. They'll be up here while the praise team sing in come to the altar and pray might even put something in the offering plate but in less than 24 hours why because it's only a one day journey back to Egypt less than 24 hours they're doing the same old stuff they've been doing up to the same shenanigans they've been doing living the same lifestyle no 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 if you're going to get deliverance you got to make it up in your mind I'm going all the way Pharaoh I'm not staying here I'm not staying close I'm not trying to find out how close I can get and still technically be out of Egypt when I pack my bags and I leave this place you better understand I'm leaving and I'm never coming back again I'm on my way to the promised land I'm on my way to becoming a great nation I'm on I wish I had a witness in the building this morning if you're going to be what God wants you to be you better have the gift of goodbye come on there's some relationships you need to get anointed to say goodbye to I wish I had a witness in the building there's some places some things you gotta get anointing on your life to say goodbye so, so long bye bye so long bye bye Goodbye to my pain in my soul. I'm out of here, devil. You ain't ever gonna see me here again. I'm out of here, devil. I'm on 
my way to the promises of God. I'm on my way to the blessings. Somebody ought to testify in this place that I left Egypt and I'm never going back. I left the world and I'm not interested. I'm not going there to visit. I'm not going there on vacation. I'm not going there to visit Boo Boo and Nana. I left the world and I'm never coming back again. I'm leaving. Pharaoh trying to strike a deal. Exodus chapter 10, I'm hurrying. And verse 8. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that go? Who all's going with you? Oh, I feel like preaching to soul winners right here. Because a soul winner would say, Everybody's going with me. I'm going to take everybody I can. I'm going to bring everybody I can. See, once the devil realizes that he doesn't have you anymore, his next concern is how many people you taking with you. Come on, somebody. His next, okay, fine. If you're going to go, go. But don't take them with you. Don't take your mama with you. Don't take your brother with you. Don't take, who else going with you? Who are they that should go? And Moses said, listen, we will go with our young and with our old. <laughs> he said, we're not leaving our babies behind and we're not leaving our mamas and daddies behind. We're going with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds we will go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. What's Pharaoh do? He's trying to make a deal. Compromise. Okay, okay. Let the Lord be so with you. Very next verse. As I will let you go. Here he is again. He keeps trying to convince them that somehow he is playing a role in the decision making. But you got to be convinced the devil has no more power over me. He has no more authority over me. I don't care what he says. I don't care what language he uses. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I will let you go. Then he says this. But your little ones look to it or Think about this. Think twice about taking them with you. For evil is before you. There's risk. You're going into the unknown. Not so. Don't do that. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord for that ye did desire. He's saying, you can go but leave your children here. Leave your children and your future here. Can I preach to you that if you're not careful, the enemy will talk you in to leaving your children in Egypt? You can be in the church, mom and dad, sold out living for God, but the enemy will convince you, don't make your children do that. 
was going to get quiet up in here. Don't, don't impose that on your what a hard life to live. What, what a strict you're not really going to make your kids go to prayer meeting, are you? I mean, come on. That, that's a little, you, you, I mean, go pray. There's nothing wrong with you praying, but I mean, they're only six years old. I mean, you're really going to make them sit through a church service? Now, give them an iPad. Let them play games during church. They're only, oh, come on. I, I, I can't buy an amen to save my life. You can go, but leave your babies with us. While they're formidable, let us teach them the value of the world. Let us teach them that church is a drag. Yeah, you can go, but but, but let, you, let, let your children grow up hearing mom and dad come complain about how hard it is to live for God and, and how hard it is to do what's right and uh, yeah, yeah you can go but leave your ch- let mom and dad just uh, go home and, and convince the family why everything that pastor preached uh, really is unnecessary uh, all of that really I'm preaching to some parents in the building uh, all of that kind of some of you wonder why you're going to live that way until your spouse doesn't even respect the God that you serve and your children don't even respect the God that you served because you've spent all of your time and energy convincing them and marginalizing the grandeur of the kingdom of God just leave your children here while I but he had a made up mind and said baby you must be out of your mind we are not leaving our babies in Egypt We're taking our children uh, with us. Uh, I'm not leaving. I wish I had a witness in the building. Uh, We're not leaving our babies. Uh, You want to know? I'm so grateful. My boys are grown men now. Grown married men. And they've chosen that we're going to live for God. Because somewhere they spent enough time in, in the presence of God that they finally said, my mom and dad's God is going to be my God. He's not just, this ain't just mom and daddy's church. This is my church. This is a mom and daddy's religion. This is my way of life. And now they're grown men and they're living for God and they're being used in the kingdom of God. You wonder how we did it? Number one, the Lord did it. But number two, I'll give you a secret. Drugs. We drug them to church. We drug them to prayer meeting. We drug them to choir practice. Brother Stewart, we drug them to Saturday outreach on the bus. We drug them to youth camp. We drug them to conferences, Brother Tobias. And when they were young, they couldn't assimilate it. But somewhere along the journey, they realized, oh my God, we don't live in Egypt, but we live in a land of promise and a land of blessing. You better believe I'm not going to leave my children behind. I refuse to let the world raise my kids. I refuse to let the world be the influential voice in my children's life. 
it's more convenient to leave them here. I ain't got time to preach all this. This is why we have a private school. You do the math. From about five, six, seven, or eight years old to 18, 10 plus 12 years of their life maybe. Six, seven, eight hours a day. The world's influence. How much is your influence? It's simple math. Have you spent five minutes to find out what the influence of the world looks like? Oh, it's getting quiet up in here. I'm not backing up one inch. Before I buy a new car, I'm going to make sure my kids have a good education in a godly environment. Come on. Before I buy a house, before I buy, what I don't care. I'm not leaving my babies behind. I'm not leaving them to the world. I'm not leaving them in a cesspool and hoping that somehow they don't come out messed up with their minds. Come on, somebody. Sister Tabitha, I'll do whatever it takes, but we're coming out of Egypt. I'm not leaving my children here. I'm not letting you convince them about your gods and your culture. And y'all, no, 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 no. I'm going to take them out uh, and they're going to experience uh, the mighty hand. Well, you might get into a place uh, where there's nothing to eat. You know what he'll do? Uh, he'll send manna from heaven to sustain me. Uh, he'll put clothes on my back uh, that don't wear out for 40 years. Uh, he'll send pheasants from the sky. Uh, and one day, uh, if I keep on walking, uh, he's going to take me over a river Jordan uh, into a land that flows with milk uh, and honey. Uh, and when I get there. I'm going to have my babies with me. I'm going to have my children by my side. I'm going to have my grandbabies. But I'm not leaving my children. Woo! You better read the fine print. All that stuff you've been believing, you better read the fine print. There's consequences to what you're doing. There's consequences to what you're not doing. Don't make a deal with the devil. Is this all right this morning? I promise you I'm hurrying. And then in Exodus 10, 24, he's still trying to negotiate. Still trying to strike a deal. He says, Pharaoh called Moses and said, okay, go ye, serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. Okay. You want to take your kids? All right. Let them go with you. But leave your flocks and your herds behind. And Moses said, he, he went from them trying to convince him to leave his herds to tell him, not only am I not going to leave my herds, I need you to give me some of yours. Thou must give us also sacrifice and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Listen, listen. Our cattle also shall go with us. Why? There shall not be one hoof left behind. Why? For thereof or of this cattle must we take to serve the Lord our God. These cattle are coming as a part of sacrifice to serve the Lord our God. 
and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. We're not going to get outside of Egypt and then not have something to give to the Lord as an offering. So we're going to take our flocks with us. Now I want you to get this because I think we missed this in the Bible. In our minds, we think of them in the wilderness hungry for food and they have no food. Is that what y'all have said? Anybody beside me? They have no food. How many of y'all know that's not true? They were hungry. They had nothing to eat. They did have food. See, y'all missed that. Not everything that's food is for consumption. And here's what happened, Brother Toby. They're out in the wilderness trying to figure out we, we, we don't have nothing to eat. And in the background is the sounds of cows mooing and sheep, whatever they do, bleeding. I don't want to get those twisted. We're hungry, Dad. I know, I know we are, honey. Dad, could you please just make me a steak? We got all these cattle, all the sheep. Some lamb chops would be great, Dad. Please give us something to eat. I mean, we got all these flocks and herds, but you know what they said? We're not gonna eat what we brought to give God as a sacrifice. We came out here and that has been set aside to give to the Lord our God. And they established with their children, you don't consume what belongs to God. I don't care how desperate we are. I don't care how hungry we are. When something belongs to God, it belongs. I wish I had a witness in the building. And because of their consecration, God said, you know what? Dinner's on me, and breakfast is on me, and lunch is on me, and I'll take, and matter of fact, I'm gonna make your clothes to where they never wear out. I'm gonna make your shirt to where it never wears out, and your shoes to where they never. I'm gonna teach you that when you honor me, I can provide for you better than you can provide for you. He was trying to get them to leave their sacrifice in Egypt. Can I translate some of this? You live for God, huh? I bet you give all that money to that church over there, don't you? I bet you give all your money to that preacher over there, huh? So he can buy diamonds and gold watches and live in a mansion. Oh, I'm preaching where some of y'all living now. Just in case you're wondering... I ain't got no gold watches, no diamonds. Definitely don't live in no mansion. I live in a humble little apartment right now. Now listen, if y'all got a mansion you want to give me, hey boo, I'll meet you in my office at the church. I ain't mad at you. I ain't scared to receive a blessing now. I mean, somebody got a man. You want to give me a gold watch? I'll take it and sell it. I, I y'all, y'all, don't get it twisted in here, okay? You giving all that, you give all that money to the church, don't you? 
foolish, giving all that money. While they spent half their paycheck on drugs and alcohol. Since Thailand, they never worried when you were broke because you took all your paycheck to party with it and smoked it and injected it and, and whatever else. I don't even know what they do with it nowadays. I mean, they snort it, sniff it, inject it, put it under their tongue, under their toenails. I'm not, I'm not lying. They do. They be injecting under their toenails and fingernails. But that's not crazy. Give all your money to the drug dealer who coincidentally lives in a mansion rolling on gold 22s with a pocket full of cash and a diamond ring. He, now he's got all that stuff uh, that you say in the pre He's got a, you ain't got no problem doing that. You ain't got no problem going and spending $1,500 uh, on a ticket to an NFL ball game uh, to jump in a stadium uh, and shout uh, for some dude who doesn't know who you are, uh, never will know who you are, uh, doesn't know who your family is, uh, who's running down the field with a piece of pigskin in his hands, uh, who has a jet and a mansion and gold rings no problem to, but you're gonna get mad at me uh, for bringing my substance uh, out of Egypt uh, so that I can build uh, the kingdom of God uh, baby you are out of your mind uh, I'm not leaving my substance uh, you gotta be out of your mind uh, if you think I spend more on the drugs uh, then I'll spend on the kingdom of God uh, you better be out of your mind uh, if you think I think I spend more on my hobbies uh, than I do on the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm not leaving uh, my substance. Uh, I'm taking it with me. Uh, somebody in this building needs to give God a praise uh, and let the devil know uh, I'm not making uh, a deal with the devil. Stand with me all over this house. devil wants to make a deal with you I'm preaching to people in this building right now that are suited and booted you're in here in a nice suit and tie you got a nice dress on and you look the part but you're living with a contract you signed come on I got your number this morning. You're living with a contract of compromise that you've signed with the enemy. And he has you believing that you can live in here and stay in Egypt. And somehow you're going to make it to heaven. And somehow everything's going to be right. I came to preach to you that you better sell out to God before you lose everything. Come on, Pharaoh is not interested in the deal that he's... You think he's going to make good on his promises? You think the devil is interested in being a man of his word? He has no truth in him. He is a liar. Any premonition you have that he's going to live up to his end of the bargain is nothing more than a lie. It's not going to turn out like you think it is. It's not going to end up the way you envision it. The only hope you have is to tear up that contract and let the devil know I'm not making a deal with you. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. 
It's time to quit playing games with God. And it's time to be what God called you to be. It's time to quit living with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. I wish I had a church in here. And it's time to be what God wanted you to be. Listen to me. It happened in the beginning. The enemy convinced Adam and Eve that they could partake of the fruit and that they would not die. Somewhere they believed it. I can enjoy this, but the price, hear me, the unintended consequence was separation from God. Separation from God. And I came to preach to you, there is nothing in this world that is worth holding on to if it's going to separate you from God. Come on, I'm, pre I'm just, this is good old-fashioned evangelistic preaching this morning. There is nothing in the world that is valuable enough to keep you from the promise of God that's in your life. Come on, somebody. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that attending church is the same thing as living for God. That showing up on a Sunday morning somehow replaces the need for being... No, 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 no. Hear me. The enemy is just waiting for the right opportunity and you will lose everything. You'll lose your husband. You'll lose your wife. You'll lose your children. You'll lose your house. You'll lose your business. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's only one hope you got. You need to get in an altar and let the blood of Jesus blot out the contract. You need to let the blood of Jesus blot out the agreement that you made. Let the blood of Jesus overtake the agreement that, come on somebody, I'm preaching that this morning, God wants to deliver somebody. God wants to bring somebody out. God wants to set you free. Come on, get up out of your seat. You need to jump up out of your seat and let the devil know I'm coming out of this. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. I'm not staying here. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. For what shall it profit a man? Somebody needs to hear this preacher. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does it even matter if you have a successful career but you have to lose your soul to get it? What is it even worth if you have a lot of money in your pocket and it burns right next to you in hell? What does it even matter that you have a nice house or drive nice cars or do the things you want to do if you're separated from God? It's not worth it. I just need somebody in the building with a testimony.
to lift your hands and shout, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, young lady. It's not worth it, young man. It's not worth your future. It's not worth the blessing and the favor of God. It's not worth being used by God. It's not worth standing in His presence and His glory. It's not worth, come on. It's not worth it. Satan is more subtle than any beast of the field, the Bible says. He's slick at negotiating, trying to help you justify. But I want to tell somebody, you know who else wants to make a deal? God wants to make a deal with you. I said, God wants to make a deal with you this morning. It's in his word. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Here's what he says. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. God's also standing there saying, come over here. I got a better deal for you than Satan does. If you think he's offering you something, that's nothing compared to what I want to, come on. God is standing at the altar this morning saying, come now, let us reason together. Here's what he says. Though your sins be as scarlet, I can make them as white as snow. And though they're red like crimson, I'll make them white like wool. God said, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what mistakes you made. If you'll sign my deal, I'll wipe away your past. I'll give you a new identity. I'll give you a fresh start. I'll help you be victor. I'll give you joy and peace. Come on, somebody lift your hands all over this building. God's calling somebody right now. God's calling somebody right now. Come on. Wherever you're at, run to this altar. Run to this altar with your hands lifted. And say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. I'm ready. Come on, help me pray. Here they come. All over the altar. Here they come. Here they come. Saints of God, help me pray. Help me find somebody to pray with. Come on, here I am, Jesus. I give you everything. I give you everything, God. Here I am, Jesus. Come on, come on. And favor.
house and give him some praise. Come on, somebody lift your voice and give him some praise in this house. Come on, give him some praise in this house. This is the sound of somebody that's leaving Egypt this morning. This is the sound of somebody being set free this morning. This is the sound of somebody who's on their way to a promise. 